you have to really, and it's all about who your brand is that, that all, like you have to really sit down and write down who you want your brand to be. It's almost like your brand is a person. So for us, we had very clear that we wanted it to be very Caribbean, hence the name Carrie Bum. So that was the aesthetics side of it, more colorful, um, much more colorful than my personal brand, for example, which is more like lifestyle and neutral. So Carrie Bum was going to be happier. It was going to be more, more inclusive more ethical of than than most of the brands that we saw at the time for swimsuits that were similar. So you you kind of like draw a graph and where you fit, you know, in that graph of what exists right now and what's missing. That's that that's how we created it. Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. I hope everybody is having a beautiful week and a good Thursday. I can't believe it's already another Thursday. The summer is just flying by. I don't maybe just me because I'm studying for the bar exam and week five is almost at a close, but it's it's getting real. <laughs> Let me just say it is getting really real. But this week has actually been a pretty decent week. Last week was rough, but this week I decided to go study at the FIE Law Library and that has completely transformed my bar prep experience. I have people that I'm surrounded by now, you know, human interaction, but more than that, they are also going through it with me and we're not like comparing horror stories or like talking about it. We're like trying to talk about anything else, but it's nice to know that like they get it. They understand how I'm feeling and we check in on each other, you know, ask, you know, lunchtime, want to go get coffee, want to go for a walk. Um, And that's been really, really nice. And it's just good to have that support because if you haven't gone to law school yourself, like you really just don't know. And if the people you surround yourself with haven't done it themselves, it's just, they can understand to an extent, but like it comes to a point where they just don't really get it. So it's nice to know that I'm not alone and I have a couple of close friends that I'm not studying with but that have either done it in the last year or two or are doing it at the same time as me and like having them for moral support is really nice too. So now that I have a support system around me this week, I'm doing a lot better but quite a bit frazzled because in order to use your laptop on the bar exam, you have to have paid a laptop fee and there's a software that you have to download and you have to take a mock exam and there's like deadlines for it. And I know I paid the laptop fee when I first applied to take to sit for the bar exam, my bar exam application, but I don't see it posted on my portal and I haven't gotten the email that says like, here's your login information for the mock exam. I have until June until July 5th for the mock exam, but really freaking out because today was the deadline for paying the laptop fee to even use the laptop. If they didn't accept it or they lost it, then I have to handwrite the essays, which thankfully it's only three essays in Florida, so I could do it. I just hopefully don't have to, but my exam or my bar exam application did get messed up because my undergrad did fail to send my transcript the first time and it was during COVID and I wasn't notified or I was notified, but I didn't know about it because they sent it to my school address and I was in Florida. Um, and I missed the email correspondence of it as well. So 
that was on me, but also on UCF for failing to send my transcript or it got lost in the mail or whatever. So by the time that I realized it, I had to, it had been a whole year almost. And like, so it could have just, the laptop fee could have just gotten lost, but I'm now realizing this today, the day that it's due that that happened. So I'm going to call tomorrow and pray that it's there. But if not, fortunately, I will be writing the essays on the Florida bar exam come July, which won't be fun, but you know what? It's all about mindset and I will just figure it out as I go. Anyway, other than that, it's been a pretty good week. I completely forgot that I needed to record this intro for you guys. So if I sound really frazzled, that's why it's almost 10 o'clock at night. So it's past my bedtime for sure. And I stayed up yesterday watching the new JLo documentary on Netflix called Halftime. So I really was trying to get to bed early tonight, but fingers crossed I will still get to bed before 11. But that documentary was absolutely incredible. 110% recommend. If you love JLo, you will love this. And if you don't like JLo, this will make you love her because it really just explains her story and her, her career and how even with all of the success that she's had, because you cannot deny that she's been very successful, she still struggled in the public eye. The public eye never really accepted her. It's because she's a woman and because she's Latina. And it's the same reason she's never gotten a Golden Globe win or an Oscar nomination, let alone win. Um, and it was a really big deal when Hustlers came out because it was all women directed, all women produced, women of color, minorities, and they still didn't get the the Oscar nomination that they deserved. And so they talk a lot about that as well. And then, of course, going behind the scenes of her halftime performance at the Super Bowl with Shakira. And it was really difficult for them to put on the show that they did that we all know and love. So it was really interesting to see the behind the scenes of that and really get to see the struggle. And as a dancer growing up and being a dancer from Miami, it was just really special to see a little bit of the dance world behind the scenes that I've missed so much in the last few years since I've stopped dancing. So 110% recommend that documentary. Even if you don't really like JLo, like go watch it and then come talk to me um, and let me know what you think. And if you're not in my Geneva group chat, then join the Geneva group chat. The link is in the show notes and you can come tell me all about it or just shoot me a DM. Although I will be going off social media at the end of this week until the bar exam. So I won't be answering your DMs, but send them anyway, and I will answer them when I come back at the end of July, early August. And yeah, with that, it's just crazy to me how quick this summer has gone by and what what my life is like this summer. But I know it'll all be worth it. It's worth the investment. It's worth the sacrifice. And knowing that I'm not alone now truly does make all of the difference. With that, this week's guest is Leah Melendez who is Leah Mariela on Instagram. If you don't follow her, I highly recommend. She's currently on the last leg of her month-long honeymoon world tour, which was so much fun. I'm living vicariously through her. She had her wedding in May in Cabo, and they've been all around Europe, and they went to the Maldives, and they went to Dubai, and now they've been in like Paris, Italy, and now they're in London and this is their last leg, and it's just been really fun to watch, but she talks a lot about in this episode her support system and how important that really is to her and how she found her support system, especially being from Puerto Rico and coming to the mainland U.S. when she was going to college. So 
really great episode. I'm really excited for you guys to hear. We had a lot of fun. I love getting to chat with Latinas. Last week's episode was with Laura Vila, who is also a Latina from Miami, and Leah is a Latina from Puerto Rico, who originally moved to Arizona, then LA, and now she's in Dallas. And hopefully, maybe one day soon, she'll be closer to me in Miami or in Puerto Rico. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about how she met her husband. I was going to give a hint, but I'll actually let you go listen to see how she met him. It's just a really great episode. And she's also the founder of Gotti Bum Swim, which is her own swimwear line. And it's sustainable. It's very beautiful. It's eco-friendly. And we talk all about how she got it off the ground. Really the intense work and dedication that you don't see behind the scenes to building a business from the ground up. I really enjoy this episode. I hope you guys do too. Really fast suck and sweet of the week. My suck of the week is just that I feel like time is flying by and I don't feel prepared, but I know I'm not supposed to feel prepared yet. I still have six weeks to go. So a long time to go in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't seem like it, but I know in Barbary days or in bar prep days in general, it's I have time still. So I'm going to be okay. I just have to trust the process and be the middle of the pack. But the time is flying and it's a little worrisome. But the sweet of the week is that I found a really good support system. And I'm just really, really happy that I had the balls, like they say, to show up at FIU, even though I didn't go to school there, to study there. And it's only been day two of doing that. But truly, it has made such a difference. The friends that I've made while I've been there. And I know that even though I'm not going to be doing traditional law and I won't be working with them in the courtroom or in the office, these are my colleagues. And it's nice to know that I will have a friend when I go to attorney events or just a new set of friends to, hey, let's go get happy hour with. So really excited for that. And just, I know that this will all be worth it. And Leah and I talk all about how worth it these struggles sometimes can be. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy and meet Leah. Hi, Leah. How are you? Hi. I'm so happy to have you on. I There's so much that we're going to talk about, but for people who don't know you, could you introduce yourself a little bit? I'm so happy to be here. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so extremely excited slash a little bit nervous but a little about me I'm a blogger influencer I like the word digital entrepreneur just because it sort of encompasses everything I do but I also have a brand a swimwear brand called Carrie Bum and um, I was previously a finance manager I officially went full-time with this digital entrepreneurship thing in July so about six months ago I love that word digital entrepreneur I'm gonna start using that (laughs) I don't know how to describe what I do. Like I'm like a law student, influencer, blogger, creator, podcast. That's just like a lot of words. Content creator, blogger, influencer. I had it for the longest time. I had a little bit of a love and hate relationship with the word influencer. I still do. I hate calling myself that. Like people will talk about this too, but like with dating apps, they're like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm an influencer. And they're like, and I'm always scared of how they're going to react. Like it's I've never had anyone be weird about that. Like with like any guys or like my friends, like once I tell them, they think it's cool, but like, I just get so scared to say that. So I love the digital entrepreneur. I love that. 
Okay, now I used blogger for a long time because I didn't like the word influencer. But it's so funny you mentioned that because one of the things I've had a conversation with my fiance about this is when people think you go into influencing to try to look cool. And it's like the most uncool thing to do is to start as an influencer. I'm like, how do you possibly think that we're here trying to be cool? Like that moment, that first time of like grabbing the camera, your phone and like talking to your phone is so awkward and uncool. Like it really takes like kind of like balls. You can't, yeah, you can't do this because you want the free gifts or the brands or like, no, like you have to really want it because there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes. And it's really not glamorous at no, all. Especially the start. Like the start is the hardest part. It's anything but glamorous. Absolutely. So anyway, that's just something that I'm always wondering. Like, why do people think we go into influencing to, I don't know, show yeah. off? Like, I'm <laughs> live. Like, no, it's awkward. It's embarrassing at first. But once you get over it, like you actually, it's wonderful in my opinion, because you can provide value and you know, be yeah. yourself, do something you love. Yeah, I I think it's a really cool job and a way to share your life, but it definitely is weird. So kind of with that, before we get started, let's go beneath the surface. What's something that people wouldn't know about you from following you? Oh, well, um, now at this point, if you just go ahead and like follow me and you've never seen any of my content before, there's like nowhere in my page that shows that I was a finance manager for six years. So that's how I was able to kind of like kickstart my influencing career, how, how I was able to afford it. Um, because I come from middle class family and right after college, I was broke like most people. So I did work in finance for the last six years, like straight out of college, I graduated at 21. And yeah, that was like my career until I decided to go with uh, blogging full time. Yeah, we're going to jump into that. But so for people who might have picked up on it, you do have an accent. You are a fellow Latina. Yes. And I was born in the U.S., though. And I mean, technically, so are you. But you were born in Puerto Rico. What was it like growing up in Puerto Rico and then moving to the mainland U.S. for college? Wow. Well, Puerto Rico, like you said, it's kind of like a hybrid in between being foreign and not because it's technically a territory of the U.S., but it is also its own nation. It's sort of like a colony, not trying to be controversial here. And I do have an accent. Um, My first language is Spanish. I grew up speaking Spanish with my family and everyone at school back home, but I did we have like regular cable TV in Puerto Rico. So I mostly learned English through watching Disney Channel. I learned English watching Disney Channel too. Spanish is my first language. Yeah, Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus taught me how to speak English. Dora for me. Dora. (laughs) Yeah, but it still comes out like, well, my accent used to be so thick when I first moved to the US, but it's gotten, it's gotten a lot. My accent comes out when I'm home. Like, I mean, not as strong as you, but I have a Miami accent. And it comes out a lot when I'm home, but you don't hear it as much, especially when I'm at school or like online. So it's funny. Mine comes out when I'm nervous, when I'm tipsy. (laughs) Um, But mostly, yeah, I think when I'm nervous, like I I figured out early on that in job interviews, like my accent would get really, really thick. So that was kind of funny. funny. I 
like it. It's cool. But yeah, what was it like coming? So you went to school in Arizona. So not even like people would think Florida because it's right there. You went to college in Arizona. You studied finance. Or actually, no, you studied science, right? Yeah. So I actually, I went to college in Arizona because um, they, I didn't choose Arizona. Arizona chose me. That's what I like to say. I actually got a scholarship full ride because of math and sciences. So I did really well in the math section of the PSAT and uh, Arizona offered me the full ride. So that was awesome. I was super excited. And I graduated with a degree in biology. But while I was in college, I worked the last three years and I worked in finance and real estate. So that's sort of how I got started. Like I was working for a um, like a housing company, like leasing. And uh, from there, it was really easy to get it like a full-time job in the car industry and finance right after graduating and it was really pretty good paying job for like a yeah right out of college adult can you talk a little bit about what that transition like was from growing up on an island beach girl to living in Arizona working in finance and studying biology like what was that really like it was honestly amazing like I never looked back it was I remember Like I remember driving to the airport in Puerto Rico and being so scared. And then once I was in Arizona, I had a really great experience. Like everyone was extremely nice. I made friends really quickly. First year was tough just school-wise because of the English barrier. But after that first year, I pretty much like it was, it, it wasn't too hard. I mean, biology is never super easy, but yeah, it was, it was just an amazing experience. I love my college years. Like I have very little bad things, very few bad things to say about that, but it was Tucson, Arizona. So I didn't really want to, I never saw myself staying there. If that makes sense. Like I knew once I graduated, I would go to either at the time I thought Phoenix or LA and I ended up in LA. So yeah. How did you, so you got a job in the auto industry doing finance in a car dealership or was it corporate in the car industry? Yeah. So how I ended up in LA, I'll start there. I had a boyfriend um, when I graduated college and he got a job in LA. So I decided to move there um, with him. And I knew I would have a job interview with a pharmaceutical company, which is, you know, within the biology field in October. So I had a couple months to kill from like that summer after graduation till October. And during that time, I got just like, I applied for a job in finance at an Audi dealership and I was accepted, admitted, I don't know now my accent is coming out. (laughs) They, uh, they took me in and I thought I would only be there for a couple months, but in the car business, they call it the golden handcuffs. Like if you actually are good at I've heard of this actually. Yeah. You start making really good money really quick. And I surpassed what I was going to make in, in, as a, a pharmaceutical rep, which is what I was going to do. Which they make a lot of money. So that goes to show just how much. Yeah. As a finance manager in the car industry, especially luxury car industry, which I was lucky enough to just start there. Most people have to, you have to start at like brands like Toyota or Mazda, but I started directly in Audi and um, I met, I had an amazing mentor that I met luckily, like within a, a week of getting that job. So that kind of like skyrocketed my career and I'm very grateful for it. I mean, it was, it was unreal. Like for me to come from like a middle-class family in Puerto Rico 
and all of a sudden be able to afford this life and go after my dreams, which in the moment would, you know, I wanted to start a business. I wanted to um, start blogging. Actually, the blogging thing uh, started because I wanted to have a platform for when I started a business, like to already have like an audience. But yeah, and being that I loved blogging. No, I, I want to get into yeah, how it all started and the business side of things and you starting your own business. But it's really cool uh, just to see it, it goes to show just it's all who you know, like, you know, you went from Arizona to LA because of someone like a, a boyfriend and t- it, that transition to LA led you to where you are now because it introduced you to people in the car industry and finance that gave you the resources to succeed in that industry that then gave you the resources to pursue what you're doing now so it just it's how it, it shows how it's all connected and how everything happens for reason and really it's like, it's all it who happens. you know yeah um and it's you know who you know but also what you do um to put yourself in those in that position 100 in my case when I met my mentor it was actually an Audi training thing that everybody has to take if you're working for Audi, whether you are cleaning toilets or being the general manager. Like if you work for Audi, you have to take that specific kind of like history training. And I was fresh out of college, um, really good at taking tests <laughs> because, you know, I was a biology major. So um, I basically did a favor for this higher up, you know, finance director um, who ended up being my mentor and I took her tests and she was doing other stuff. So I, I helped her. I became of use to her. And from there, like we exchanged information and the moment she had an opening for me, she, she called me because she remembered that, you know, I, I was actually of of value to her. Yeah. Um, so it's all about, you know, it's, it's opportunity, but it's also preparation and you have to be ready to, to provide a service. Mm -hmm. I love that. So yeah, so you were working in finance, you're doing really well, you're very successful. And then you decide, I want to one day have my own business. And in order to do that the way that I want to, I'm going to start a blog and building a platform. When was that? And how did you go about building your blog and starting your social media journey? Sure. So within, I want to say three months of living in LA, that boyfriend that I moved for, we kind of figured out that he wasn't going to stay in LA and things weren't working out. So he left. I was, it was actually a very friendly breakup and I was totally fine um, on my own, but because I was on my own and because I was finally making enough to sort of like have a hobby and do something on the side, I decided to post more, be more active on social media. Um, It kind of came from also my desire to travel. So I love traveling always. My parents are the same way. Um, Ever since I was small, like we don't spend money. They don't spend money in like cars or expensive things, but I don't know if that's a Latin thing, but my parents are the same way. We drive like middle like mid-road, mid-range cars, we go on nice trips. Like that's where they spend their money. My dad still drives like Toyota. My mom has a Nissan. They're like very, they they have their priorities straight and travel and like, you know, culture has always been huge for them. So the moment that I had a chance, I was like on my own, my time off, I would pretty much go on like three-day trips to Mexico, to Miami, to wherever I could, I would go for a weekend. Um, I ended up going to like Hawaii for three days. Then I went to Bali for six days and did some crazy things. And like my, my 
time off that was never extended. Like I never had a, in a car business, like you have to work weekends. So it's tough to get time off. Um, but I managed to create really good content while I was out traveling and brands started noticing, like people started, you know, following me. I started gaining like a little bit of, it was, it was still, you know, nothing huge, but just that's, that's how it all started. It was yeah. mostly through my travel content. How did you shoot the content? Were you traveling alone and like tripod or were you asking whoever you saw around to take a photo of you? I ask, um, not usually not strangers, but if I am traveling with someone, like usually it was a friend, I went with college friends to one, so I would have them do it. Honestly, like, I don't know, I figured out sometimes I would just put my phone on a rock and use like nature's tripods. That's what I like to call them. But um, yeah, like, Pretty much. I never liked to ask like complete strangers also because I thought like most of them wouldn't be able to do a good job, but I would ask anybody that I know that's around me. Yeah. So how long did it take for you to, so did you start Instagram first or the blog first? When did that, those really take off that you were like, okay, I'm going to start a business. So it started with Instagram and I, I want to say, I mean, I loved photography since I was in college, even before I was traveling, I had, I, I cared about like photo editing and I try to make my Instagram pretty. It's just something I, I always like to do just for fun. So once I started traveling and spending, putting more money into like what ended up being now my, my personal brand, it just, it kind of came natural because I already knew and I kind of, I, I, I knew that that was something I enjoyed to do. And, and slowly I started getting better at editing, like looking up like YouTube videos and how to do all that stuff. And everything sort of led to, um, the, oh, from there. So that was on Instagram from there. Eventually I realized that I needed to have a website and I asked a friend, I think I paid him like $80 at the time to just help me create like a little starter website on Squarespace. And he did. And that was like, I like to call it Leah Mariela 1.0 because this one is like a 2.0. It's like the yeah. actual blog-like version. But yeah. yeah. I'm currently in that branding, like going from 1.0 to, well, actually, honestly, it's like a 2.0 and going to 3.0 because 3.0. I started it in college and in 2018, but I, it, it was like very up and down for a while. And I'm, I want my blog, my blog to be like a secondary platform. Now I'm really focusing on Instagram and podcasts and my, my own career, but I want that website to be nice and the landing page for everything that I'm doing. So I understand like the 1.0, the phases of it for sure. And how many years are you into finance now when you start, okay, I'm going to start a business. And how did you decide to start Carrie Bum, which is a swimsuit and athleisure business? Yes. So, well, it's mostly swimwear and beachwear, but we eventually do want to take it into athleisure and other things. So Carrie Bum started about almost three years ago. I, I want to say like two and a half years ago. It was when I remember like I was in a coffee shop with my friend, Anna, who is actually the daughter of my mom's childhood best friend. So we know each other since we were born. We actually have like three month old baby pictures together, but we weren't friends until she moved to LA. And once it, it all happened because of our moms, they were like, oh, she's in LA, go hang out with her. You know how it goes. You make your mom a favor, like, ugh, mom. Yeah. 
I don't know this girl. Like, uh, we hit it off. Um, she's one of my bridesmaids now. She's one of my best friends. And uh, she was a graph, uh, not a graphic designer, a fashion designer for BCBG at the time. And we were at a coffee shop and like, why don't we start something? I had already ex- uh, told her that my goal was to eventually start a company, a brand. And swimsuits was an idea that I had because I'm from Puerto Rico and, you know, we always at the beach I grew up in the beach so she was like we should look into it and we started researching manufacturers that was day one we started researching manufacturers in Bali and one thing led to the the other and it took it took us a year a little over a year like a year and two months actually launch it which is not that bad but yeah we just stuck to it the pandemic helped because uh we had more time in our hands um to actually yeah get to work but yeah that's pretty much Yeah, no, I think it's unpopular to say, but I think the pandemic has helped a lot of people. It hurt a lot of people and it was very difficult, but it also allowed a lot of people to realize what their passions were and pursue them. So I think, you know, everything again, everything happens for a reason. So you are building Carrie Bum. You are also building your blog and your Instagram. You're taking off on Instagram and you're still working in finance, when did you realize like, okay, I, I, I can't do all of it. I need to pick one. How many years into finance did you like start putting away money to prepare for, okay, I'm going to pursue this. So that's a two-part question. I'll start with when I started saving. So I actually started saving money the moment I started making money. To be honest, I was making more than I thought I would right out of college. And I was pretty frugal with like things like bills and my rent. So I was able to save money from the start. But when we finally decided to go for Carrie Bum, my friend Anna and I, I started saving more. <laughs> so I, I kind of like made a mental switch and put, started putting more money away. I also, the beautiful thing about finances is that the bet you, there's, it's commission based in a lot of ways. And the more time you spend on it, like the better you get. So I was making more money usually every month, like a little bit more, not every month, but more, more yeah. or less. And uh, so I had, I had a good amount saved I don't want to say exactly how yeah, much. yeah no um but I had a good amount saved like I was probably saving like anywhere from one thousand dollars to four thousand dollars a month depending on how good the month was at work That's and yeah uh, I was able to fund all of Carrie Bomb on that which was amazing because like there's no loans no nothing just yeah. I'm the main investor and what was the, the second question oh when I decided that I I couldn't do it all so it was actually about two weeks after we launched Car- Carrie Bum. So we launched Carrie Bum in May 2021. And in June, there was a day that I went to Puerto Rico for, we went for a photo shoot. And also I was working from home, but still eight hours a day in finance, eight to 10 hours actually. So there was a day that I started at 7 a.m. with two collaborations with companies in Puerto Rico. Then I worked, I went to where we have our warehouse in Puerto Rico for Carry Bomb and was there for another like three hours. And then I went home and I was supposed to start my ship started at 4pm at work and finance. And that went till 3am. I was just when I closed that computer at 3.30am, I just I, I was dead, like dead, dead, dead. I've been doing stuff since 
7 a.m. up since 6 30 and I just I kind of realized that I wasn't going to be able to juggle it all for much longer thanks to my amazing fiance so our plan was for me to leave the job the the finance job um for the wedding like right before the wedding that way we could just go on our honeymoon and and I had enough you know save for that but um, he he knew that I was struggling and he basically told me like he would take care of my part of the rent for until the wedding, until I got on my feet, really. And that was amazing. That's kind of like when I decided like I'm, I'm being very honest with everyone here. Like we used to obviously divide rent and bills and he if it hadn't been for his help, I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable to leave so early on. Yeah, I remember I was following you already because I started following you mid-pandemic and I remember seeing that when you said you were leaving your job and you you didn't go into that much detail on Instagram, but you, you know, you talked about like saving money so you could leave. And I remember you saying something about like, I it's just exhausting. Like I can't do anymore. Like I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to leave and pursue this. So I just, I wanted to dig in a little bit to that and to go into your amazing fiance. How did you guys meet? Because it's really difficult. I'm in the dating world. It is very, very difficult to meet someone that you are compatible with, that you enjoy spending time with, but it's even more difficult to find someone as incredible as him who supports you in your dreams. Cause you know, I don't know if it's that we're Latina or what, we're just very ambitious women. We know what we want. We know what we deserve and we're willing to do everything we can for it. And that is very intimidating. So how did you meet someone that supports you in that? Dude, he is the biggest blessing that has come to me from, I don't know, the universe, God, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I must have got friends in a long time. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of friends. He's, he's kind of like an introvert. That's kind of funny that you say that. Now he has his friends, but he, he has a small circle. So we met on Bumble, fancy app. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, <laughs> I wasn't too present on Bumble, to be honest. I think I've gone my whole life like in three Bumble dates and that was throughout a span of three years. So one a year. Him on the other hand was very active. (laughs) So he had just moved to LA from Philadelphia. Um, My friends laughed that that's one of the reasons we worked out because you don't really move to LA for the people, you know, to fall in love. It's just not not the kind of crowd that LA attracts, but he, he works for himself. And he could work from anywhere and he had family in LA, his sister and brother. So I met him when he had been in LA for two months. So I okay. him. Yeah. And uh, no, it was kind of funny. I was at a girl's night um, on a Wednesday. We had wine Wednesdays because we were all single. And I was laughing on my own. Like we were watching a rom-com and I, I was laughing and I was the only one wa- laughing. So I looked to the side and all my friends are on the phone on Bumble. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, you know, everyone's doing it. Might as well just <laughs> train. And the only person I swiped on was him that night. That's funny. Mm -hmm. And I showed him, I show my friend his picture and he was like, he's all right. Classic. And I was like, really? I think he's really cute. And we ended up meeting about two weeks later. So we didn't do much. You know, I said, hi. I don't even know how that went. Probably, I would probably cringe if I saw the conversation now. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you know how it started? Because Bumble, the girl has to go first. And I think that is what intimidates a lot of people about being on a dating app. So how long had you been on Bumble? You said you've only been on a few Bumble dates. So like, how long had you been on it? He's the first one you swiped that night. He was probably 
the first one I swiped, I had swiped like within five months of meeting him. And I, I think I re-downloaded the app because just because my girlfriends were on it, we were, you know, just chilling, drinking wine and they were on it and showing each other photos. So I just, I just wanted to join in. And it happened to be that he pop up, he popped up. I didn't say anything past like just swiping right and saying hi. And I think he responded the next day. He didn't respond that night. And it was about a two week period between that and our first day. A couple of things happened. I canceled on him. I think he might've canceled on me two ones. And then I got, there was one night random out of the blue. I got out of work at 7.30 PM, which was early for me. I mean, I was usually there till like eight or nine. And so I texted him. I was like, Hey, I, I, I'm leaving work a little early. Are you down to meet up? And he said, yes. And we met up at this uh, bar. It was like an IPIC bar, like a movie theater bar right underneath his apartment building. So he really didn't sacrifice much to go on this yeah. date with me. He walked down from his apartment and we were there for two hours. It was, it was really nice day. I was actually very skeptical still, even after like that. I, I just, you know, I, I'm not going to say it was love at first sight just because I've had some bad experiences dating and I've had yeah. some amazing first dates that went nowhere. So I was, you know, like that perfect first date. And then you're like, no, it doesn't exist. And I love how like, there's so many things now with like dating rules and the girl shouldn't talk first. The girl shouldn't initiate this, this, and this. And you did it backwards. If you follow the rules, which I, mm-hmm. I appreciate because I don't like following those rules. So I love that you know, props to him. He didn't answer the first night, probably didn't even see it. He answers. And then, you know, whether you canceled on purpose or because something came up and then he canceled, like it goes to show that he really did want to meet you because most guys would be like, oh, she canceled. Fuck this. Like whatever. (laughs) Like it showed that like you guys, like there was something there, but you were willing to work for because you said it wasn't love at first sight. You know, like there were things that happened for you guys to get to where you are now. So I just, I love that because I think so many people on Instagram and if you just follow on Instagram it's like it looks like it's a perfect relationship and of course not none is perfect but like you wouldn't know that you know it took these certain things to get there so yeah what was it like the early days of dating when was this how long ago was this so that was uh October 2017 that's when we we met so a little over four years ago and uh like you said, nothing is perfect. No relationship is, you know, great from the start. But I do believe that the start should be easy. It should feel um, effortless. Like if you're really having to fight really, really hard at the beginning, it's most likely going to get harder as you know, you go as you get more comfortable with each other. So our, our start was pretty great. I want to say it was around the third day that I was like, oh, shit. Like, I really, really like this guy. And I think if we stop talking, I remember the thought, I think if we stop talking, I would be really sad. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of like when I realized like, ah, and I don't know, he was wonderful. My birthday was about almost two months after we met and he took me to Cabo for the first time, just Friday to Sunday. We were in LA. So it's a, it's a quick trip. Yeah. Our um, flight. So we went from Friday to Sunday that was when he kind of asked me to be his girlfriend. And that was pretty much it. Like I remember calling my mom from Cobb when I was just on cloud nine, you know? That's so sweet. I love that. And yeah, I just, oh, I want that one day, but <laughs> you will you'll get it. So, so um, a thing about when I met him, 
um, that I think had a big, played a big part was I, I was pretty much set in not being in a relationship funny enough like okay, I, you I, have I, you can't be on a dating app hoping and expecting hoping that happen. you'll meet the love of your it life it won't happen I was not on that mindset I was just on the mindset of like I'm single I'm enjoying my life with you know my friends who are also single my girlfriends at the time we were all working really hard like I said my best friend was a designer for BCBG not an easy job at all especially in LA with how competitive that is like I was in finance I felt like I had my life together but love wasn't my priority I wanted to keep making money keep saving to start my business and the right person will see that and will be very attracted to that like it, it the if a guy gets intimidated by that he's definitely not the one 100% so it, for Nikki like he loved that he the from the beginning he loved that I was so independent um this kind of annoyed me but our second date we split the bill um I wasn't too happy about that but you know just just from the perspective like I wish he had like tried harder to be like oh I'll take care of it um but it it did in a way like I don't know I felt like we both were contributing and we both wanted it and it just I don't know from I agree I think 100% the guy has like if he if you intimidate him like it's not worth it don't cry over spilt milk it's not he's not worth it right but Mm -hmm. the downside that to that is that yeah then like we're splitting the bill because we offer because we are independent and yeah sure and I'm like no no, 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 (laughs) right I want you to say you're gonna handle it so that's funny but so you guys were, you met in LA, you were living in LA. How soon into meeting him did you start Carrie Bum? And when did you guys move to Dallas? So um, Carrie Bum probably started about a year after. And, but like I said, I I did, when we met, I told him about the blog. I already had my 1.0, Julia Mariela 1.0. And I told him that I was working on building an audience because I wanted to start a company eventually. And I wanted to have that platform so that, you know, once I launched my product, there were already people that trusted me and wanted to, to buy from me. So um, he knew that from the start, but he also knew that like my finance job was my career and my main path and at the time I had no intention of leaving that I pretty much decided that I didn't want to do that for more than five years when I started Carrie Bum. got it and we <laughs> decided to move to Dallas I'm going to jump to that question um, actually during COVID like we lived um, in the center of Wilshire Boulevard in LA where all the riots and and the looting was happening so um, our building got uh, all boarded up, all the buildings around us, and it was a stressful time for us, just like seeing everything outside and not knowing what's going to happen. And we both worked from home at the time. We had really good friends that lived in Dallas that were on our ear, like, move to Dallas. It's awesome. It's great. We love it here. Um, these friends were not from Dallas, by the way. One from, one was from New York City. The other one used to live in, um, in LA with us. So we decided, what the heck, like, we're we work from home. If we're going to try it out, this is the time to do it. And we just took, took the risk and decided to move. Neither one of us have been in Dallas for more than a couple of days before we moved. So that was really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, 
the beauty is you're doing it together and you have the luxury of, you know, having each other and you're figuring it out together. A hundred percent. I mean, I, it's like moving with your best friend. It's never, you know, that scary, but it was, I, for somebody, I, I thought I was going to live and die in LA. So I thought I was, or not in LA, but in California. Um, maybe we would race a family down in San Diego or Santa Barbara, but we would for sure be in California forever. And so that was um, kind of like an impulse move. We're just like, let's just try it. We're young. We don't have kids. We work. We can work from anywhere. Um, we're spending a lot of money in rent in LA. So anywhere that we go, it will be cheaper. And that was another reason um, we wanted to lower our expenses since we were all inside. You know, it's not yeah. like you're going out, um, enjoying the city of LA. So yeah, that's pretty much why we moved and it was the best decision. Yeah. It looks, you are guy. you guys are loving Dallas. Like your apartment is so beautiful. You're, you're like killing it there. Um, we love it here. <laughs> I, I've never been, I really want to go, but yeah, I, and I've seen you guys to talk about like one day, Miami, one day, maybe Port- you want to buy a house in Puerto Rico and have a second home there and make that your primary home. Definitely want to have a home in Puerto Rico. And um, this has been my perfect ideal life for years before even I met Nikki was to do six months in Puerto Rico, six months in LA or anywhere else. Um, so the fact that we're moving towards potentially buying a place in Puerto Rico now in the next couple of years, and actually probably in the next year, and going, you know, moving towards that, living there like four months out of the year or as much as we can is amazing. It's like, that's, that's I want that for myself too. I want my primary home to be in Miami and then have a second home. home. I don't know where, somewhere. And especially once we have kids, like, I think it would be really great for them to learn Spanish and be immersed in a different culture. Um, than just, you know, be in the US. Yeah. How does that for you? So that's a big important thing to me as well. I want my kids to know my culture and be raised similarly to me because growing up, you know, I'm sure it's same for you growing up in Puerto Rico, growing up in Miami, like there's no place like home. It's, and I'm grateful for that upbringing because I'm have experienced culture and traveling and food and the, the music. And just like, I want my kids to know that, but Nikki is not Hispanic. How has that been, you know, being with some, a partner who's not Hispanic and, you know, hoping to have a family with, with them that, you know, will be multicultural and Mm -hmm. for him coming into your family, coming to Puerto Rico, what's that been like? So Nikki's, even though he's an introvert, he's very likable. And my parents and my friends, I, I still haven't met one person in my life that hasn't gone along with him. So in that sense, it was easy. But like you said, there is a cultural difference. Like I, I, I had this idea back in the day that like I would be with a guy who would be dancing salsa with my parents and you know, Nikki's fun, but that's, <laughs> he not, happening. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, so you have to understand, like, I mean, everyone should, if they're looking for a good relationship, you're never going to get a hundred percent of everything that also, I realized that wasn't a, a priority for me. Like my fiance needing, having to dance with my mom is not something that like is, will make or break my relationship. But he also, Nikki is very open-minded when it comes to, he loves travel too. And he's extremely respectful when it comes to other cultures. And it was just, it was easy. Honestly, it was, it was never became an issue. Um, he loves going down to Puerto Rico with me. 
um, spending time with my families. I love his family too, even though it's culturally different from mine. They, uh, there's a lot of similarities in the way that he was raised and the way that what the priorities that his parents had when it comes to, you know, just like raising their kids together and family time and, you know, because family is huge in Latino culture. So he comes yeah. from like a really united family. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's, that's exactly how I feel too. Like I, it's funny because I always said like, I don't want to date a Latino. I don't want like a male chauvinistic pig, like, cause they could go both ways. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want that. I want an American guy. But then I realized like, no, like I want them to either be immersed in my culture or enjoy it. And like, enjoy. of course they have to be respectful of it. So I, I saw when I first like met you online, I was like, oh, interesting. Like I see a lot of myself and her were very similar and she's dating a gringo and it's working. And I like, I need to know how it's working. And like, I want that. So I, I'm joking, but like, does he have a friend? Um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding, but um, uh, I'm not, but like, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's so funny because Nikki actually doesn't look like a gringo like when so he, he does it Puerto Rico people start speaking Spanish to him and he's like no hablo español <laughs> like, no yeah he doesn't look American um, he, at all he looks Puerto Rican yeah so maybe that helps subconsciously I don't know no I'm, I'm kidding but it it just what it wasn't difficult like I uh, I wish my mom was here to, for her to tell you like how much they love having him around like he's really fun he's really funny that's one of the reasons like yeah. I love what, that you're getting to share more of him on your blog and social media like his little blog posts are so cute and oh my it's God. cool bringing seeing so him come into it and you know I, I joke that I don't want my partner to be a part of any of my platforms but like it would be cool every once in a while to have him participate similarly to that so I think that's super cool and he is honestly a better blogger than I am like he's well he was an English major in college too so he's really good at writing and he, and when he gets into it like he really enjoys it right now he has like two blog posts already written that I have yeah. I don't even have two blog posts like already that's so funny I want to <laughs> so, get back into blogging I need to get I, I I just don't have enough time to do everything I want to do but I want to write more blog posts because I really love it with Instagram too because like you feel the necessity to be constantly creating content that's immediate so like photos, um, stories. So sitting down to write a blog post, that's what I've found most challenging recently. I, I feel like I don't have time to do it because yeah. Instagram and TikTok and the actual content creation part and the, you know, Carrie Bum, the business. Yeah. So going back to Carrie Bum and balancing it all, I got a couple of questions about starting Carrie Bum and starting a brand. You said you you were the one to put the money into the business. What's a good budget for starting a brand? And like, talk a little bit about the designing, purchasing, marketing, PR, like that part of it, like the business side of starting a business and how much money did you put into it? So I put, I'm going to be super transparent. I think total, I ended up um, investing 21,000 in Carrie Bum. So I would say around 20,000 is a good budget to have to start. We started you know, small, we didn't want to, we wanted to make sure we stick, we stuck to slow fashion. 
So we didn't want to do too much, uh, like overproducing either. And that was the budget that worked out for us. Um, that being said, we, so it started with Anna and me and we added our friend Gabby, who's amazing at marketing. She's also an influencer in fitness. So we have three brains and three people working towards the brand, which we haven't, we, you know, we weren't paying, I wasn't paying them. So the 20,000 was just for to start the brand. And then each one of us had about 33% ownership on the company. So I hope that answers that, that rough, that worked out for us. Um, things that we didn't want to go cheap on was like fabric. So we wanted to make sure that we were sustainable, that our fabrics were all ethically made and same with our factory that it paid people fair wages. So you could probably do less than 20,000. I've heard people starting businesses with like 5,000 to 10,000, but once we had like our priorities listed, that's, that's what it took us. Yeah. So do you think starting that priority list is like comes first? It's huge. Yeah. You have to really, and it's all about who your brand is that, that all like, you have to really sit down and write down who you want your brand to be. It's almost like your brand is a person. So for us, we had very clear that we wanted it to be very Caribbean, hence the name Carrie Bum. So that was the aesthetics side of it, more colorful, um, much more colorful than my personal brand, for example, which is more like lifestyle and neutral. So Carrie Bum was gonna be happier. It was gonna be more, more inclusive, more ethical of than than most of the brands that we saw at the time for swimsuits that were similar. So you you kind of like draw a graph and where you fit, you know, in that graph of what exists right now and what's missing. That's that that's how we created it. This was at the very beginning, like before doing anything like legal into like the LLC or even um, starting designing, making the actual designs, but. Yeah. I could go into so many questions about this and, but they, people really wanted like about the legal side of it, especially, but people really want to know what your design process is like and how do you build a successful marketing campaign for your business and the marketing side of running Carrie Bum, what, and the designing, what that process is like. So in the beginning, we had um, a night, Anna and I, I, th I don't think Gabby was in there yet in, in the part of the group yet but we pretty much printed a bunch of Pinterest uh, photos and inspiration and we created a physical mood board for what we wanted the brand to be so that was initial like inspiration and just we wanted to visualize like the brand and that really helped and we kept that for I, I think Anna might still have it actually but we had it in everything we did for the first year, for sure. And then marketing wise, it's, we, we added, I'm obviously an influencer. We added Gabby to the team. She went to school for graphic design and a little bit of marketing. So she's amazing at that. Um, and she's an influencer herself. So most of our marketing was done through influencing because we know the, the industry and we have friends and we are influencers ourselves. Uh, we still haven't gone into things like Google ads or really we haven't spent in marketing outside of influencing just because that's the devil we know. <laughs> yeah, totally. But eventually we probably will if we want to expand. How did you start the design process? Like how did you, like you said, you wanted ethical fabrics. Where did you look for these fabrics? Finding a warehouse, finding manufacturers, what that process was like. Sure. So initially it was Google searches and we found this manufacturer in Bali that just had 
uh, we found a couple of swimwear brands that we knew of that got their um, their designs there, that got their actual product there from there. And last minute, right before we signed with that manufacturer, we found out that there was a Puerto Rican girl who had her own manufacturing in Bali. So that was amazing. And then we we got to, she lived in LA. So we got to meet with her in person, speak Spanglish with her. And we decided that that was a better fit for us. And she provided, obviously we asked, do you have what kind of fabrics do you work with? Like we were trying to do more ethical, sustainable fabrics, ideally made from plastic water bottles. We had done the research. It helped to have Anna because she she is a graphic a, a fashion designer. So she knows what questions to ask. She knew like initially. And yeah, they had everything we needed and more because they spoke Spanish and English. Oh, it was the perfect fit. It was the perfect fit. Yeah. Personality, culture, the vibe, all of that has to match. Absolutely. It was like a blessing because it literally came the week that we were about to sign with the other um, Bali company, which communication from LA to Bali isn't ideal and by any means. So I imagine somebody that doesn't know how to speak great English. It was tough. And we were a little scared about that. So this just, it just happened to fall on our laps and we, we took, took it. Yeah. Everything happens for reason. I think that's like the theme of this episode. And what's it like running a business that is based out of, well, you're based in Dallas. The business is based in Puerto Rico and Bali. How is that logistically? Like, how does that work? How do you guys run it? I'm not going to lie. It is kind of a nightmare, Um, (laughs) especially because when we started Carry Bomb, the three of us, Ana, Gabby, and I were in LA and I moved to Dallas. Gabby moved back to Puerto Rico. Ana stayed in LA and then our manufacturers in Bali. So that's, that that was a little tough. I want to say the toughest uh, part is uh, called, well, the shipping from Bali to Puerto Rico is, is tough. And that's where we have our warehouse. That's where we keep all of our inventory. So moving, you know, looking into the future, we probably want to eventually try to get our stuff made in Puerto Rico. We have a lot in the plans and- and I, Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I don't work there. And I'm like, <laughs> I have plans for you. I'm like, I need to stop thinking yeah, about this. No, but it's, it, I'm not gonna lie. It's been tough. It's, it, that w- that's probably the hardest thing. If I had to yeah. pinpoint one thing is it's the distance between the manufacturer and um, yeah, where our warehouse is and delivery. And, and, and I say hardest too, because it's very expensive. So um, we're, we don't want to, be selling a product that's truly out of reach for you know up for professional girls in their 20s and and that's the thing too like you look at nowadays bathing suits are so expensive expensive. and you look into what but it's tough but but even looking at your prices like they are a little bit pricier but then you look into what goes into it and like oh okay this makes sense and we didn't want to cut corners when it came to, you know, the fabrics and the quality. It would be much cheaper to, you know, use other fabrics that are not sustainable. But yeah. we we wanted to stick to who we are. So, and it's been tough with inflation. It's really affected that yeah. too. Like if you look at the prices from our first collection, they are significantly lower than the second. But, you know, that's just life. Yeah, out. I would love to like maybe do a sec episode where we talk more about the business logistics of it and the legal side and like the actual 100% talking digging into that because I think that is so fascinating a lot of people with the pandemic and following their passions I think so many more people are going into building 
their own businesses, whether it's social media or a service or a product. And I think a lot of people are really interested in that aspect of it. So I would love to chat with you more about that sometime. But in the middle of planning or running all of this, the business side, your Instagram, moving, setting up a new home, you guys got engaged and you are planning a wedding and you're planning a destination wedding. So can you talk a little bit about the engagement and then how you decided to do a destination wedding? Of course. So we got engaged almost two years ago now. It was July, 2020. And uh, when it happened, well, after it happened, I knew that I wanted to wait to have a wedding. I didn't want to rush into it. I actually was, I was never the kind of girl that dreamed of a big wedding or like that wasn't a day that I had written down since I was a little girl, you know, Um, that was, that just wasn't me. And I always thought that I would get married in my thirties. So I was already ahead of schedule in my, in my head. So we waited probably almost, almost a year till, till we started planning. And uh, I I looked into getting married in Miami. I looked into getting married in uh, Dallas and Cabo because that's where we got engaged. That's also where we went on our first trip. And Cabo was more affordable than um, Miami and Dallas. And also it just, for me, it was more sentimental and it was like a prettier, more me um, vibe or aesthetic. And it just, uh, it was the first month of planning the wedding was the most stressful. And then ever since it's just become easy. Like once I got a planner, it really like became almost like second nature. It hasn't been that that hard. I think I cried once. <laughs> I will say that at the very, very beginning, because it can be overwhelming to try to see through everything like over a year before. But now I'm at the point where I am ready. I'm excited. It's I June too. It's coming up. I know it's three months, so it'll be May 8th. Yeah. And everyone's excited too. Like everyone that's coming, my family, my siblings, um, Nikki is <laughs> you better be excited. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and I love how you said that too. Like we I mean, you guys got married mid-pandemic, so that definitely was like, all right, we're gonna wait, and you are able to wait, um, because life really wasn't happening at that time either. But just it definitely gives you that peace of mind that like I don't have to worry about this right now and I can still focus on one enjoying being engaged and two we're still living our normal lives we're running our businesses and we're building our 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 futures together now and I think that's so special to have that we're like all right we're just gonna take it so we're not rushing into this because I feel like a lot of people get engaged it's like oh my god gosh start planning the wedding like the wedding has to happen now but it's like you guys love each other and you you're making commitment to spend your life with each other and the wedding is just the celebration of that it's not this big thing and so you're you're not you're putting your energy and I think I personally I think and I think you would agree better uses of your time and energy than just the wedding but you're still making it special for the two of you because it is a celebration of you guys so how did you find a wedding planner how did you like the process of actually planning it, you said like, it hasn't been as bad for you because you had a wedding planner. How did you find one? So I started, I pretty much did all the research on Instagram because you know, that's what I know best. I had a few hotels that I liked and I went to their pages and to their tagged photos. This is something I suggest anybody, you know, trying to do research on Instagram does. And I found two 
tagged um, wedding planners that I really liked. And I contacted both and ended up going with, you know, the best fit. So I pretty much did my, my um, research on Instagram when it came to finding the planner. And then from there, I actually hadn't decided what hotel I wanted. I'd first picked the planner and then I had her help me out with that. And that was great because she obviously works in all of these places, um, very knowledgeable, like is always there. She's there presently. So I, I got to hear her opinion, uh, her opinion on budgets too, like which one would fit better with what we wanted and a smaller wedding and more um, I didn't want a very resorty wedding if that makes sense even though it was kind of like a beach wedding I didn't want like a big resort event so we found the perfect kind of like boutique but also grand um, the cape is the hotel where we're going to get married and it's it's and it was in in my top two from the start so that just worked out perfectly yeah I I'm so excited to see the pictures and just you guys went to Cabo and did the tastings and like figuring out the logistics and you shared that trip and it just looked so incredible and I've never been to Cabo and now I'm like dying to go there amazing yeah you have to go for sure it's a special place yeah but I didn't go I mean I didn't go till I went with Nikki and that's crazy because Cabo I went to school in Arizona and everyone used to go to Cabo for spring break and you probably you know know Cabo is like a pretty popular destination but to me it's a more recent thing too yeah I mean I think growing up in the Caribbean that's where we go instead of Mexico yeah so I had been to Cancun to Loom since I was little so to me Cabo and the west coast of Mexico is more exotic because you know the the east coast is more like home more like Puerto Rico greener but yeah. yeah, I'm so excited to share everything to finally like show everyone the dress, the shoes. I, I can't I'm wait. so excited because you and I have a very similar style and just your aesthetic and you, you're a few years older than me, but I like, because we are, we grew up very similarly, I think. And just like our goals are very similar. I see myself a lot in you and I look up to everything you're doing. I'm like, I want to do those things. Like yeah. I want to, I want to do that, like what so you're doing. Cool. And it's cool seeing you live your life and share it with, with the community that you've built online. And, you know, it's hard, but you're choosing to share it for you, for everyone. And it's, it's inspirational. So I really, I love that. It make me cry. <laughs> I just, it's so special getting to see, like I told you this at the beginning, I think off air, like seeing a fellow Latina doing everything that you want to be doing and knowing that it, it can be done. And there's people that have done it before you and you're paving the way. So it's really, really special. That is my goal. You know, I, I didn't come from, I didn't have that, you know, that stepping stone. I didn't come from money. And I, I do want people to see what I've done, which, you know, I still have a lot to do, but to know that it's possible to know that you can go for it, to know that it really is just putting in the time, the work and, and trying to enjoy the ride as much as possible. And, you know, you don't, you don't need to come from money to live a wonderful life and to make your dreams come true, basically. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a great place to end, but we will definitely do a part two talking about, I want to ask you about like budgeting tips and finance tips, because you've yeah. been able to build this life because you, because your career in finance allowed you to, and because the tools you learned in your career allowed you to create a budget for yourself and savings and all of that. And also 
the business side of starting a business of your own carry bum. So we'll definitely do a part two on that, but I loved having this conversation. I can't wait to see your wedding. Hopefully next time you are in Miami, we can meet or um, once I graduate and I'm not in school anymore, I can go anywhere and like, maybe like, we'll definitely meet up maybe Dallas, maybe Cabo. 100%. If you come to Dallas, you have to let me know. I absolutely will. Where can everyone find you? Plug yourself. I'll link everything in the show notes so they can go find you. Yes. Yes. I've been putting a lot of eggs in the TikTok basket recently, but most of my content's on Instagram, my blog, leahmariellablog.com and carrybomb.com that's where you can find all the beautiful pieces that they designed so could we do a discount code for anyone who's listening on carrybomb yeah i would have to set it up but i'll i'll contact you okay cool let me know and i'll put if we get a discount code i'll let you guys know in the intro or outro and i'll link it in the show notes for everyone i'll I'll gift something to you guys yay thank you so much for coming on so much for having me I'm listening back to all these episodes as I'm editing and I just keep getting the vibe that I'm really into the happy hour girl chat chill vibes lately and I hope you guys are enjoying them too. I love the interview style but you know I don't like to do it super formal and I like to just be a lot more interactive and kind of let the conversation go where it goes but this one especially just it felt like we were really together like having a fun, crazy conversation to Latinas, just yelling, screaming, having so much fun. And I really hope you guys got that vibe and you enjoyed it. And if you're not already following Leah, definitely go check her out. Go check out her business, Gotti Bum or Carrie Bum. Like she says, I any excuse I get to use my Spanish, I'm gonna do it. And I'm a Caribbean girl too. So gotta gotta represent, gotta support. But thank you guys so, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what kind of format for episodes you like in the future. I'm currently on a recording hiatus, but when I come back from the bar exam and begin recording new episodes, I will definitely take all the feedback into account and give you guys the best episodes I can. There's so many exciting people I want to keep having conversations with, so stay tuned for more. But I hope you guys are really loving the podcast lately. I know you guys really loved last week's episode, which means so much to me because it's such a fun and special episode to me as well. And I want to just keep creating the content that you guys want to see. So please leave a rating and review. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like, what you want to see more of. Share with your friends screenshot as you're listening and tag us so we can share share it with a friend it's the best way to grow the show and i just want to keep growing the show to keep making connections with new people the community that this podcast has brought me has been incredible and i wouldn't be able to do the podcast if i didn't have that community and i wouldn't be able to bring you guys episodes like this with so many fun tidbits from dating to culture to travel to businesses to social media, to so many other things. So I'm really grateful for this podcast. I can't believe it's been nine months. Today is nine months of the Let's Get Candid podcast, which is absolutely crazy. And I can't wait to begin recording more episodes for you guys and keep bringing you incredible candid conversations because that's what this is all about. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. Go follow Leah. Go check out the Geneva home. Go check out Carrie Bump. Just go connect with us. That's the best part about the podcast. 
It's 10.36, so I will be able to make it to bed before my 11 p.m. bedtime, which I'm really happy about. I hope you guys all have a beautiful weekend. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. As always, I will talk to you all next week. Thank you.